Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think this war is far from just a few months of being over, tragically. Uh, And what Putin has signaled right now is he's not trying to cut a deal. He's doubling down. That suggests it's going to go on for a while. Yeah, doubling down. You could make the argument tripling down, which we can explain more in a little bit. That's Michael McFall. He's the former U.S. ambassador to Russia. How close are we to the, the this thing being over? And how well are these new guys going to fight? If you don't know why you're fighting, you don't fight very hard. I think that's a piece of this war that, that we have to understand. Uh, the Ukrainians don't have the same... Uh, weapons. They don't have the same numbers as the Russian army, but they have the will to fight because they're fighting for their homeland. When you listen to these people being drafted, many say, I'm not going to go fight. But those that do say they're going to go fight, they don't even they can't even explain why. Mm, So I uh, was wondering about that myself. And I thought we'd ask somebody who knows Mike Lyons, military analyst. We love to have on the show with these matters. Went to West Point, has an MBA um, all kinds of military background stuff that uh, I can tell you about uh, in a little bit. Bronze Star for his actions in combat. Mike Lyons, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, I, I'm surprised at that take by a historian okay. because uh, you cannot dismiss this mobilization of these Russian troops as really 
inconsequential. You look at every time in history, it does show that the larger industrial complex nation, even as they lose battles along the way, wins these wars of attrition. Russia will figure out a way to get 300,000 men to the front there to, to reinforce, and we'll talk about this in a second, they'll reinforce units that are in real danger of being surrounded and, and almost destroyed that they have there right now. But they'll figure it out, and they'll get them there, and they'll be fodder, and they'll all die. And, but, but that's what they'll, they'll do because that, that's what they've done historically for the past thousand years. So it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Ukraine is going to have to capitalize on this the kind of lull on the Russian side here in the next few months, hopefully during the wintertime, in order for them to even try to gain some kind of success. But it's going to still remain a stalemate as long as uh, as Russia is going to continue to bring those kind of numbers to the, to the front. Well, that's one of the reasons we like to have you on, because you're certainly not a guy that goes with just whatever the conventional wisdom is on, uh, on cable news at the time. Uh, appreciate you saying that, because that's the opposite of what, I'm hearing mostly, but um, to back up just a second, we, we've been playing this clip from David Petraeus, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, who was on CNN a week or so ago, and he said after, you know, the, 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 the big blitzkrieg from Ukraine driving the Russians out of a bunch of different areas and uh, the success they had over that um, uh, several day period, David Petraeus said the outcome is no longer in doubt. Ukraine will win. It's just a matter of time. Pretty definitive statement. Do you, do you agree with that or not? You know, again, what's happened is this: the the the, the battle has now been 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 formed in the south, and and the, the elite Russian units are there trying to hold off. Uh, what was initially the second offense of, of U- the Ukraine army, the not, not the primary objective there, because Ukraine actually used that to the, to the east and to took, take back land that they had lost before. And what they ended up doing was dropping all these bridges along the Dnepro River, trapping those elite Russian units. Now, here's what will allow Ukraine to win or claim more victory, and that is it's one thing to see you know, hundreds of soldiers that have been uh, surrendering or so, but you could see ten or 20,000 surrender in that part of the country. Then I'll change my mind and say, okay, then they have a much better chance of winning. And that's possible because right now we've created kind of a battle of the bulge situation where those troops are surrounded, won't be able to get resupplied very simply. They need the men to try to reassemble bridges and and reassemble supply lines that, uh, that have to come. And, and if they don't get that done in the next few months, especially winter comes and they're going to starve and freeze to death, it'll it'll be uh, a tremendous advantage on the side of Ukraine. So, I, I, you know, I, again, I'm just surprised to hear Four Star make that kind of comment, given the fact that Russia has tremendous industrial uh, superiority. As long as the West continues to support Ukraine, then then there is some parity, at least on that side. Yeah, you're talking about the history of Russia. I've, I've read enough uh, history of whether they're fighting Napoleon or, or Hitler. Uh, Russia's always been willing to just feed human beings right. into right. battle until they, you know, until they finally get their way. Um, so I've heard, I've heard it said, you've probably seen the videos of the lines at the border of Russia and Georgia. I mean, miles long of, of young men trying to get out of the country and the, you know, the one way flights yeah. all sold out. We've all heard that. And, uh, right. but they're loaded today, right now, they are loading people on buses and heading them, I guess, I don't know where to train sure. them up and put them in a uniform. How long will it take before these guys are actually in the field with a gun? I heard months, but are you thinking it's going to be faster than that? Yeah, probably months. Um, maybe some that are closer a, a little sooner, but, um, and the, and Russia, again, doesn't care. 
that they're having low morale or they don't care that they won't have great weapons. They'll just literally pick weapons off the, off the ground from dead Russian soldiers that they keep, that they leave on the battlefield. Um, they also have 11 time zones to go and get uh, troops from. So, so they have the manpower the, the media is showing just these kind of snippets of, of these small protesters, but for every one of those, there's 10,000 that are just lining up and going because they have no choice because they'll get thrown in the gulag if they, if they don't go. So, um, so you know, th- this is a country that doesn't care about things like emotional intelligence and um, troop morale, all these things that are that are factors in our military that you keep you hear people talk about all the time. They don't care. All, all, all they need is bodies to show up at the front to 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 stem the tide of a potential Ukrainian offense. Uh, they care about destruction. That's their only way that they project power. Yeah, that's interesting. You've probably been on the field up against people that didn't necessarily have a lot to fight for, but they find a reason to fight. What's what's that all about? At some point, is it just survival, or are you fighting for your friends? Yeah, usually you go to war for the guy to the left and to the right of you. You don't necessarily, that's to say you don't fight for your country, so to speak. And I do remember that, um, you know, I think we talked about, we, we saw, we heard stories, for example, of Russians leaving behind food and mermite cans there. Same thing we saw that in Desert Storm. We saw, uh, you know, the, the enemy doesn't want to fight. But this, the difference here is that this is Russia saying that this is Russian land now. Vladimir Putin is telling, you know, they're, they're going to annex these regions here. They think they're fighting for their country. Um, but you flip that on the other side, the, the Ukraine military on the offensive is fighting truly for something, gaining back land they lost uh, eight years, seven years ago back uh, when Russia took it back in 2014. Um, and, and if they keep going in the, way, in the way they're going, if they can threaten, for example, Crimea, now Russia is really strategically hurt because that's probably their Alamo. They, they can't lose Crimea. They, they have Sebastopol. They have the only warm water port there. They were, they were leasing that land from Russia prior to 2014. Uh, they have to keep that. So I think you'll see the majority of the mobilized troops go to the south, go to Crimea, go to those areas to try to reinforce, to keep mass defections from taking place. So how much do you take the nuclear threat seriously from Putin? I know we've been talking about this for going on seven months now, but is he any more likely than he was before to actually go nuclear? I think that's the last thing he he draws from. It's going to depend how this mobilization goes. I think that it's always on the table. It it won't be as um, devastating if he keeps it within the tactical nuke side as he'll just literally hit infrastructure, go after civilians. It'll, It'll fix the conventional forces on the ground somewhat, but they'll likely stay tucked up close to the Russian troops knowing that uh, you can't fire a tactical nuke on Ukraine forces there because of the of the fallout and the damage could possibly hit Russian troops. But then I might be wrong because he doesn't care about Russian troops anyway. You know, he's, he's eliminated layers within his chain of command. And I think that's a lot to do with if he does have to fire a nuclear weapon, he wants to get it down to the execution phase as fast as possible. Because usually there's two-man control with any kind of nuclear weapons. He doesn't want to get anybody in between that order to, to all of a sudden decide, you know what, we're not doing this. this it's not the right thing to do. Mm. Uh, that's not Russia's not about. They're not about the right thing. They're they're about doing what you, I tell you to do. And so I think that's why he's eliminated these 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 impediments within the chain of command. Because if he makes that order, he wants to make sure it's carried out. Wow, that is really interesting. I got to ask you because Joe Biden said something on Sunday night that got, certainly got Joe and I's attention when he stated that U.S lives would be at stake in Taiwan if China decided to invade Taiwan. Uh, How do you feel about that? 
Yeah, we have to steer clear from Taiwan. We we don't. What's the deterrence right now? Is the only thing we can do to deter China from doing anything in Taiwan is another kind of alliance that doesn't seem to be being put together right now, which it should be. It should be the G7. You know, China needs imports as much as they export things, right? I mean, obviously, the three thousand WalMarts in America go broke if they're not. Getting stuff from China, but on the other side, China needs wheat. They need things from the United States, and um, it's going to have to be a non-military deterrent in order for us to to keep China from doing that. And it's got to be the whole G7 saying we're going to put sanctions, real sanctions, on China that will actually be a lot worse than you know Donald Trump's uh, trade tariffs that were that were put on, because because if they if their people starve, if China has those kinds of internal problems and they have revolution, and that's what it's going to take there. So I think we've not done a good job. We're talking tough, and it's military about. China right now, but if you think about it, our our diplomats need to be uh, clearing their desks and working on a a non-military deterrent solution, which I think is the G7. I think it's the major countries of the world saying, you just can't do this. We're going to shut you off in a way that you've never been shut off before. Right. Yeah. So I was listening to um, uh, one of my favorite pundits the other day say we we should do the same thing that we've done with uh, Russia and Ukraine. We and and it's working. Worlds has rallied on our side and not on Russia's side. And over time, you know, the right thing will happen. Probably do the same thing with China. How would you feel about U.S. Marines in Taiwan fighting Uh, the Chinese? not a good no it's not a good look i think that uh, they still outnumber us there and china will have i still think china is that declining power and that's not necessarily their military has not proven itself to actually when it's in the crucible of battle whether they can do something but we have to get to a season i go back to ukraine let's get to a season here in ukraine because if the germans and the italians are freezing they might get weak in the knees and, and decide to back out of that that, mm. that can't happen. That can't happen in China. Go back to Asia. That we've got to have um, that alliance put together beforehand. Let's let's try to let's try to cut that problem off before before it becomes an issue. The, the, the Chinese, if they decide to do the allure battle, if they decide to go after a U.S. carrier, sink a carrier, try to put you know try to get this one battle over very quickly, they'll make a strategic mistake that um, that, that I think will really mean the downfall of China, as well as we're seeing almost the downfall of Russia. Two client states, frankly, they're both working together at this point mike lyons one of a handful of follows man when something breaks military wise war wise you're one of the twitter feeds i go to because i always wonder what you think appreciate you coming on today thanks for having me yeah mike lyons twitter feed is good if you like this story um that's interesting so he had two contrary takes from a lot of what i've heard over the last week one these conscripts are going to make a difference in ukraine as the russians hit just because it's more human bodies and Russia has a history of throwing bodies at battles until they win. So that's one end. And two, no, he doesn't think U.S. Marines should be fighting the Chinese in Taiwan. It needs to be diplomatic. It needs to be economic pressure. I don't, I'm not advocating a position. I don't have any idea what's the right one. But I was listening to Rich Lauer of National Review, right winger. I think he supported the war in Iraq. I don't know if I'd you know, call him a hawk or not. But he thought, no, we do the same thing with Taiwan that we do, we're doing with uh, Russia and Ukraine. We, we try to rally allies, we put on economic pressure, we fund them, we give them military stuff, but we don't have our own you know, soldiers on the ground. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a decision that some president, President Kamala Harris, might have to make in her first term. Oof, that was a little rough to say right there. I kind of had a lot hurt coming out of my throat. Mm. Mm. I might have to sit down for a second after that. Text line 415-295-KFTC. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. So today I went to the Starbucks drive-thru to get my little drink and sandwich as a hot girl does. And I go to the barista to pay and he goes, you don't have to pay me today. The person in front of you paid for your drink and food as a nice gesture. And then he drops this bomb. So for every five people in front of you, they return the gesture back. So you're telling me that these people were shamed and caught into this Congo line of morality that they had to give the gesture back? I'm not that girl. That defeats the whole point of someone doing something nice for me. I am the one that was helped, and I am not helping anyone else. (laughs) Congo line of morality. Oh, that's funny. We've talked about this a lot. I don't know how I feel about it. I've been a couple of times in line. It's it's always been Starbucks. Does it happen other places, or does it only happen at Starbucks? But anyway, I've been in line a couple of times at Starbucks. It's, It's okay. The person in front of you paid for you, and then you pay for the person behind you, and you always hope that it's not like nine kids that want vente frappuccinos, and you end up with a bill of $240. But, um... I don't, I don't know how I feel about that because part of it is what that girl just said there. The whole compulsory doing something nice. And, and then just kind of, we're all paying. We're all still paying, right? Um, I guess there's going to be one car when it ends that got a free drink. Cause I assume the first car paid for their own drink. And someone else's, right? That's how it gets started. So somebody paid twice, and then somebody at the end when the thing ends will pay not at all. But everybody in between, they just exchanged money. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's, it's one of those things that it seems like it's really nice, but I'm not sure anything is actually happening. If, if I, if I don't pay for my $6 coffee, but I pay for your, five dollar and 85 cent coffee i'm i just it's kind of a is it a wash or was there a moral victory there your morality conga line (laughs) what a funny line uh so i i've always participated though i'm not going to be the guy who breaks the chain i'm just i'm not just going to say thanks for the free drink and drive off i don't know it just seems like a bad thing from a karma standpoint although a friend of mine who is a philosophy major at berkeley said the way we all use the term karma is wrong but uh, whatever. Um, yeah. May, I, have you ever started one, Michael? Nope. You ever been caught in one? No, never. You, oh, you haven't? No. Well, you don't, probably don't go to Starbucks. Not really. Well, no, I'm not that, much that, of a coffee drinker. That would eliminate the opportunity for that to happen. Yeah, maybe I'll start one today. Just, uh, just, just for fun. I should do that. I should start one and then pull in uh, where I can watch it and see how long it lasts. And try to monitor the expressions on people's faces. Because I think the expression on my face is not of delight and wonder at mankind and our open-heartedness. My, the expression on my face is, oh, great, I'm stuck in one of these things. All right. How do, how do I do this? Do I give you my card? And then when do I get billed? How, when do I find out how much I just paid for? Whatever. It Again, it seems like something nice is happening, but I'm not sure it really is. It's an illusion, the morality conga line. San Francisco's got an interesting idea for surveillance that I hope does not become a model for the country that we should tell you about, among other things on the way. Holy cow, as civil liberties uh, erode more and more over time. If you miss an hour of this show, you can grab the podcast. It's Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Just look for it. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So you get stuck in one of those lines where the person ahead of you paid for your meal and then you're expected to pay for the person behind you and it's seen as like some sort of we are the world moment or something like that. I don't I don't know if I bought Alex said it happened at a Carl's Jr. Yeah, it was a Carl's Jr. And I was there just lunch rush and line was taking forever. I was worried. I was like, I'm just hungry. I want my food. Turns out person in front had bought for them. Then they'd bought for me. And I was worried about the person behind me because I wasn't about to buy four extra large combo meals. I just bought the one sandwich, but ended up being the same bill as mine. And we paid it on four extra large combo Anyway, all right, you know, I'll participate. I'm not going to be the person that ends it. I just, I, I, I always want to raise my hand and say, what exactly are we accomplishing here? One person at the end is going to get something free. Other than that, what do we, we're just exchanging money. How about if we all get together and exchange $5 bills? Do we feel like we've done something good for the world or I don't understand. Anywho, uh, different topic. And we got many things I want to get into today. We, we played this. A lot yesterday, this woman got a lot of attention in the news. She is the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. Claiming you have money that you do not have. 
does not amount to the art of the deal. It's the art of the steel. No! Every time I hear it, it's more wounding. Deal and steel rhyme. God, if you rhyme things, they have extra legal heft. So, lots of headlines around Trump day before yesterday, right? All day long, and it just really had this feeling that the walls were closing on in on Trump, you know, through the corporate news perspective. And a bunch of the news stories were about Mar-a-Lago and the raid and the, 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 the classified documents, and that's its own story, and I have no idea how that's going to turn out, and Trump may very well have done, very well may have done something wrong. But then the other half of the stories was this stuff. This was the... New York Attorney General talking about Trump overvaluing his hotels and apartments and stuff like that. Two completely different stories and kind of being like lumped together is a bad day for Trump. I'll read from Byron York's piece. He's the chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. If you've not really been paying attention to this story, the headline being New York sues Trump. Of course, it's politically motivated, says Byron York. And it's a $250 million lawsuit that the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, who you just heard from, filed against former President Donald Trump. $250 million lawsuit alleging that Trump engaged in fraud by overvaluing properties. Okay? It includes his children. It is a civil lawsuit. Does not accuse the Trumps of committing any crimes. James said she will refer the case to the Justice Department and the IRS, apparently in hopes that they'll charge the Trumps with crimes. That she did not because she hasn't seen any that she could act. Because the Attorney General, that's what they do, right? She didn't charge him with any crimes. It's hard to assess the merits of the suit, says Byron York and the Examiner. Trump does overvalue his uh, buildings and brags a lot, probably. Um, But as far as the IRS is concerned, we'll we'll back up a second. If Trump defrauded the lenders, so this is what you do. You're going to buy something and you try to undervalue the thing you want to buy, and then you overvalue the thing that you're using as collateral and that sort of stuff, right? That I mean, to a certain extent, we all do that, but we have to get our home appraised. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, it has to has have some um, um, documentation. But anyway, um, we, we all try to do that to a certain extent. But as far as the borrowing the money, if Trump defrauded the lenders, it was for loans that were paid back, and in which the lenders made money. As far as the IRS is concerned, it's fair to say Trump has been under a lot of scrutiny over the years by the IRS. They've been digging into his taxes for years, and he's remained uncharged. The IRS has the power to charge you with something if they think it's a crime there, and they haven't. It's kind of difficult to say where where the, where the attorney general is coming from on this this effort, right? There are a bunch of legal organizations that have been looking into whether or not crimes have been committed for a long time. And she is not claiming there has been any violation of the law. It's a it's a civil suit. Here's one thing that can be definitively said about the suit, says Byron York. It is politically motivated. It cannot be otherwise. James ran for office vowing to get Trump, who she who she said was an illegitimate president. Indeed, the Democratic primary for the office of the New York State Attorney General was a bidding war in which each candidate pledged to be more aggressive in targeting Trump, and she won. And he goes through some of the statements and advertisements that went throughout the entire election in 2018, in which both the candidates were, oh, you think you're going to get Trump? I'm really going to get Trump. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finally bring him down. And it went on and on and on, so she ended up winning. She immediately set about working to make good on her campaign promise to go after Trump. After all, what else does the Attorney General of a state of 20 million people have to do, rather than 
try to bring down Donald Trump. Uh, not prosecuting crimes, providing legal opinions in cases involving state agencies, defending the state in litigation. She immediately spent so much time in trying to go after Donald Trump. She is um, trying to bring down the entire Trump business and family, according to Byron York, and it would certainly appear that way. In other words, James is trying to ruin Trump and his family, too. Isn't that what she promised during the campaign? It's hard to imagine a more politically motivated act. Former Attorney General William Barr, and we played some of the clips yesterday, who's been very critical of Trump, very critical of Trump, immediately declared yesterday James's lawsuit a political hit job. Barr particularly noted that James, who of course has the authority to charge Trump with crimes, did not charge Trump with crimes. This is being missed by the mainstream media. The woman who is the top cop in New York and could charge him with any number of crimes if she found them has not charged him with any crimes. Instead, filed a civil suit, quoting Barr. To me, that says she does not have the evidence to make a criminal case. So she's setting a lower bar of bringing this civil case. I don't think it's going to go any further. The loans were paid back, Barr said. Those were successful investments, and the banks were paid back. So to have spent three years on this seems to me her trying to make good on her campaign promise that she was going to bring Trump down. That should be troubling to people. Even if you don't like Donald Trump, that should be troubling to you. We don't want... Oh, I got another example of that. Let me let me uh, find that note. Um, we don't want that sort of thing happening in America. I uh, got it right here. Uh, okay. Um, well, maybe I don't have it. Sorry about that. It was another example of going after political opponents purely because of who they are. Uh, I'll find that for you and get it to you next segment. But the overall point being, as Bill Barr said there, if 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 he's a criminal, then find find the evidence and charge him with some crimes. But this whole civil suit thing that you really haven't presented a bunch of evidence on, certainly not evidence of crimes, is probably not going to go no go anywhere. It was just it was making the voters feel like you know we voted for you to bring down Trump and you're trying really hard. And she made these strong statements with the whole rhyming, not the art of the deal, the art of the steal. But there's probably not going to be any there. There, you're probably not going to hear anything about it for maybe years, if ever. So it was a whole big giant nothing burger that, as usual, the mainstream media attended to as if it was a giant breaking news story. It's not. God, we got to get away from this sort of thing in our politics. It's just not good. Now, the other stuff, the Mar-a-Lago and the uh, the classified stuff, that could very well turn into be uh, into something uh, major, but not this one, not this one. So, what's San Francisco about to start doing with security cameras? Ooh, I hope this does not become a model for the whole country. Uh, we're going to be talking about that at some point. We're also going to check in with Felix Light, who is in. Is he still in London, Hanson? Very hanging out. Yeah, cool. using his cool British accent. We'll talk to him about a variety of things on, on the way, one of our, my favorite reporters. And then it was one more great thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, we've got more on the passenger that sucker punched the flight attendant. Have you seen that video floating around? More details on what happened there. Juicy story. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. This the scene at Russia's land border with Georgia. Lines more than 10 miles long. People trying to flee the country to avoid the draft. A travel data company tonight telling ABC News that there are no seats available on flights leaving Moscow for the next four days. Demand soaring for flights to nations like Armenia, Turkey and Serbia where Russians can travel visa-free. And when Putin announced the draft, desperation online. Data from Google showing a spike with many Russians googling how to break your arm at home. 
You know, I got to admit, when I originally heard the stories of all the one-way flights are sold out, I thought, ah, it sounds like kind of an internet hyperbole rumor sort of thing. But uh, now enough people are reporting it that it clearly seems to be true. And I've seen the video of the lines of mostly younger Russian men trying to get out of the country. I mean, on foot or in cars or whatever. It's it's really quite amazing. And then, is that true? Are people Googling how to break an arm? Holy crap. Let's welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Felix Light, our man in London, with CBS Radio News and the Moscow Times. Felix, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to be here, as always. Yeah, thank you. You're a great reporter, and that's why we like to have you on. So, uh, speaking of reporting, does that seem to be accurate? Are, are, are people that desperate to flee, ending up being some of the 300,000 men that are going to be sent to war? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, understate the gravity and the sort of the scale of what's going on. You know, I, you know, speaking sort of from my own personal experience, I would say that pretty much every young man of sort of military age that I know uh, in Moscow uh, is making plans or has already left, you know, is making plans to leave or has already left. And so, you know, sometimes that's, you know, taking them through sort of some really sort of, you know, circuitous and, and, and long and sort of roundabout routes, you know. So as, as uh, you said in the, in the segment at the start, all the flights, you know, for four or five, six days are, are booked up. You know, it is literally impossible to get a flight out of Moscow right now. So, you know, you see people uh, sitting on trains to go over the border into Kazakhstan or into Mongolia or anything, you know, any sort of way to get out. Because, you know, this you've got you to sort of realize what, you know, the Russian army is. You know, this is not... You know, the U.S. Army is not the British Army, you know, a place where, you, you know, you're obviously trained to kill and be killed. But, you know, you're, you're, you know, treated with a modicum of dignity and a modicum of respect. You know, the Russian Army and more to the point, you know, a conscript in the Russian Army, you're not going to be treated well and you're going to be used as cannon fodder in a war that a lot of these people don't agree with. And so I think, you know, people are pretty desperate to get out of that, whatever it may cost. Okay, that's a really interesting angle you just brought up. So I, I, was, one, I was wondering if this is an indication how desperate these men are to get out of the country that they they know what's up. They're getting the real story somehow. We, we've talked a lot with you and others about the state-controlled media is still tearing the story that it's, you know, we're, we're liberating Ukrainians from Nazis and all this different sort of stuff. So I, I was thinking, well, most of these young men must know the real story. But part of it is you're saying just the the idea of being in the Russian military at all is so miserable you might want to leave the country because the history of the Russian military, that, that, that's the deal? Well, yeah, you know, it's both, I think. You know, these people who we're talking about who are leaving, you know, these are people, I think, who are not, you know, on board with the idea of the war in Ukraine. You know, people who, you know, are not endorsing sort of Vladimir Putin's ideas. You know, Russia, you know, has a very sort of strict, and very sort of, um, you know, authoritarian political system with, you know, very little free media. But, you know, you know, people in the sort of advanced cities, you know, young people, educated people, you know, they know the score, as you say, you know, they know what's up. So, you know, it's not impossible to find sort of, you know, accurate news on the internet and whatever, you know, if you know sort of where to look. So, you know, these people are not dumb. You know, they know what they're, they're thinking about. But also, you know, yeah, you know, they've invested a lot in not going to the war, you know, and especially a war they don't agree with. You know, Russia has the, the draft for one year, you know, you get conscripted for one year when you leave school. You're not supposed to be, have to fight in wars as a conscript. But, you know, there's a really sort of roaring black market trade in sort of, you know, doctor's notes to get people out of that sort of, um, you know, year of service in the military. So there's a huge sort of almost 
you know, sector of the economy around sort of getting people out of the military. So, you know, when something like this happens, when there's a much bigger call-up and when it's actually to a war, I think that sort of stuff really goes into overdrive, you know, those kind of instincts. You know, people are just, you know, I'm not going to die for Putin. I'm not going to die in a war that I don't agree with. So, you know, I get the hell out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen videos of uh, guys being hung, hugged by their mothers as before they get on a bus that are going. So how many people seem to actually be sticking around and going, as far as you can tell? Well, you know, Russia's a, a, you know, a very sort of varied and complex country. You know, in sort of the big cities, the Moscows, you know, the St. Petersburg, you know, a lot of people are just going to be voting with their feet and getting out, you know, going to wherever they can. But, you know, if you're like a a young kid in a little village somewhere, you know, you've got a very different life experience, you know. It's more likely that sort of, you know, your, your dad's already served in the army, you know, or your grandfather's already served in the army. So, you know, it's it's sort of much more normal. And I think, you know, those people, they don't really have the resources to sort of get out of the country, get out of the way. So I think, you know, what we see is that, you know, if you get away from the big cities to sort of, especially sort of ethnic minority areas, you know, parts of Siberia, parts of the south of Russia, where, you know, a lot of the people aren't actually sort of, you know, European sort of ethnic Russians, you know, they're, they're Muslims or they're sort of Asians or whatever, you know, these people are really getting called up. You know, there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of military recruitment going on there now. And a lot of the burden of this mobilization is really falling on these people, I think. Um, what is your take on how long it's going to take before these guys are actually in the field fighting Ukrainians, trying to liberate them from the Nazis? Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's not going to take long. You know, these people are not going to get the sort of the red carpet treatment in the military. You know, you're going to get sort of, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks of training, you know, because you're already theoretically a member of the reserves. You know, you're already theoretically a member of the Russian army. You've been trained before and now you're getting sent off to war. So, you know, these people are going to be put in a pretty damn fast combat mm. conveyor belt, you know, to Ukraine. So these people are going to be showing up on the front of the air wow. very, very quickly, I would suspect. Wow. One final question for Felix Light, who is uh, in London, but he's a, a, a reporter on all things Russian, has been for a while. Um, uh, how seriously are Europeans taking the nuclear threat that Putin put out the other day? Well, you know, I think the war obviously feels a bit closer to us. But, you know, when you're talking nuclear, you know, it's it's almost so bad that you can't imagine it, you know. And right. sort of, I think, for, for the, you know, for the moment, people do worry a lot about the war. You know, they worry about gas prices. They worry about sort of energy costs here, which are really going up in Europe. You know, so America obviously can get its, its gas and its, its fuel from other sort of sources. But Europe is really, really dependent on Russia. And so, you know, that's a big worry, I think, here right now. You know, nuclear is obviously terrifying, but, you know, it's it's almost that thing that you don't want to think about because it's too bad to think about. Right? So I wouldn't say people worry about it on a day-to-day level. Yet. Right. Okay, cool. Always good. Felix Light uh, from London. Thank you, Felix. Always a pleasure. Cheers. Yeah, I'm looking at this headline. I like the way the, you know, the Brits say cheers all the time. I really like that. I'm um, looking at this headline from The Hill. The U.S. has privately warned Russia of the consequences of using nuclear weapons. And I read that story apparently for months. We've been making very clear to generals and hoping it gets to Putin that don't do that. I mean, that's a serious line you cannot cross. Whether or not he cares about that, I do not know. And if you didn't hear Mike Lines earlier in the hour, it's pretty interesting that it seems pretty clear that Putin has eliminated layers between his order to use nukes and whoever would shoot them off so that nobody would get in the way and say, ah, I'm not doing this in the chain of command, which is a little frightening. By the way, Felix made a good point, and I, I, I of all people, should not fall for it. 
I have been, I, I say I've been to Russia because I have been to Russia. I've been to Moscow and St. Petersburg and the train in between, but that's it. It's 11 time zones. That would account for, just off the top of my head, five to six million of the 140 some million people that live in Russia. So I don't have any idea what most of Russia is like. That's always bothered me as a guy that's from the rural Midwest that people come from around the world and visit New York and San Francisco, you know, L.A., whatever, and say they've been to the United States. Well, I grew up in the rural Midwest, and there ain't nothing about my life that has anything to do, really, with New York, San Francisco, or L.A. Um, So, you know, that would be true for the average Russian who might have a completely different view of their uh, need to go fight for the mother country. God, those poor dudes. If they believe they're actually doing the right thing. Um, I might Google how to break an arm myself. I wonder what it says. What is the best way to break an arm? I'm guessing you, I'm guessing that you, you get it into something where you can get leverage on it and throw your... You know, not liking this conversation, Michael? Not at all. I can't stand it. Well, would you break your arm to get out of going to Ukraine and fight? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, I would, I would. I would, too. So I'm thinking the best thing to do is, Jesus would hurt. Like, you get it, like, you open a window, stick it in there, close the window on it, and then just, like, fall. Seems like it'd be a good way to break an arm, right? I might Google that during the commercial break and see what... It's, in, it's the one of the top Googles in Russia, how to break an arm. Oof! Uh, if you miss an hour of the show, you can listen to it in podcast form. Look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.